Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll check them out. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, Be in the Know, and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking to him about public accommodation laws. And Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus Avaz, will be joining us as well. It is February the 22nd, and on this day in 1819, Spanish Minister Do Luis de Onis and U.S. Secretary of State John Quincy Adams signed the Florida Purchase Agreement, in which Spain agreed to cede the remainder of its old province of Florida to the United States. Spanish colonization of Florida Peninsula began in 1565 in St. Augustine. The Spanish colonists enjoyed a brief period of relative stability before Florida became under attack from resentful Native Americans and ambitious English colonists to the north. Spain's last-minute uh, entry into the French and Indian War on the side of the French uh, costed Florida, which the British required through the First Treaty of Paris in 18, 1763. After 20 years of British rule, however, Florida was returned to Spain as part of the Second Treaty of Paris, which ended the American Revolution in 1783. Spain holds on uh, Florida were tenuous in the years after American independence, and numerous boundary disputes developed with the United States. In 1819, after years of negotiations, Secretary of State John Quincy Adams achieved a diplomatic coup uh, with the signing of the Florida Purchase Agreement. Uh, which officially put Florida into the U.S. hands at no cost beyond the U.S. assumption of some $5 million of claims by U.S. citizens against Spain. <clears throat> Formal U.S. occupation began in 1821, and General Andrew Jackson, in the hero of the War of 1812, was appointed military governor. Florida was organized as a U.S. territory in 1822 and was admitted into the Union as a slave state in 1845, all transferred at no cost whatsoever, just assuming uh, the liabilities uh, for uh, against Spain. Amazing. Well, a large portion of the country is bracing for what the National Weather Service has described as a major coast-to-coast -coast winter storm, which could bring historic snowfall to the Minneapolis-Minnesota region. Now, I've lived there for a couple of years. Well, they say the story, boy, that's really something because they get a lot of weather up there. According to the uh, news service, the uh, winter storm is expected to be extremely disruptive to travel for portions of the high plains in the Midwest. The combination of heavy snow rates of 1 to 2 inches per hour and strong wind gusts of 40 to 50 miles an hour will create blizzard conditions. It said warning of nearly impossible travel as well as power outages. The storm comes weeks after millions braced for the ice storm that swept the country, triggering dangerous travel conditions. <clears throat> so, uh, if you're traveling, be careful, especially up there in the north uh, or the Midwest. 
Stocks tumbled to their worst day in two months Tuesday, buckling under worries about higher interest rates and their tightening squeeze on the uh, Wall Street and the economy. The S&P 500 fell 2% for its sharpest drop since the market was selling off in December. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 697 points, or 2.1%, while the Nasdaq Composite dropped 2.5%. The yield on 10-year Treasury, which helps set the rates for mortgages and other important loans, leaped further into 3.95% from 3.82% on Friday <clears throat> to two-year yield, which moves most of the expectations for the Fed, rose to 4.73 from 4.62. Yields have, not, have shot higher in this month as Wall Street uh, ups its forecast for how high the Federal Reserve will take its short-term interest rates. Things are not going well for uh, inflation right now, and more more signs show that we could have continuing inflation and increase in interest rates. And in addition to that, the retail world continues its downward spiral as holiday sales failed to meet expectations and wary consumers are keeping their wallets in their pockets due to rampant uh, inflation and soaring interest rates. The end result, over 800 big box stores are slated to shut down across the country in 2023. Bed Bath & Beyond, Walmart Gap, uh, and Party City are among the big names who are downsizing. Bed Bath & Beyond, <clears throat> which narrowly escaped bankruptcy <clears throat> proceedings earlier this month, is the biggest loser, aiming to cut its number of stores to 480 when it once had over 1,500 locations. Amazing. Well, this week, a nonprofit group, Four Day Week Global, released the results from its six-month study of four-day work weeks. The uh, trial in the U.K. was the largest to date, with roughly 2,900 workers from 61 companies participating. What's the conclusion? Many people were happier. Surprise, surprise. A majority of employees and managers have now decided to keep testing their shorter weeks. If you're planning to forward this report to your boss, well, uh, you've got we covered on, on the talking points. Here are the pros. Employees reported better sleep, lower stress levels, better work-life balance, and enhanced mental health. Productivity, now this is amazing, productivity increased by 35%. That in and of itself would justify this, wouldn't it? The time men uh, spent working or looking after the kids also doubled. Uh, for more, uh, anyone who wants to convince their CEO the change didn't affect any of the company's revenues and actually led to a drop in employee turnover and absent employees. If there's any bad news, the 66% of the companies that took part in the study were smaller with 25 or fewer employees, meaning larger companies may be less inclined to take a more flexible schedule. Some employees reported that the shorter work week meant they had less time to finish their work or were pulled to do tasks they normally wouldn't do. So this is a new work setup. It is long overdue. The 40-week, 40-hour work week has been the norm since 1938. Uh, a lot has changed since then, and including women's participation in the workforce, though they're still doing most of the housework, and while many work a full-time job, experts say the shorter work weeks pick up steam amid burnout concerns after during the pandemic early days. Now it's becoming a retention and recruitment issue for many employees. 
15% of the employees say that no amount of money would get them to return to working five days a week in the office. The four-day work week might be the work-life balance many Americans have been looking for. The pandemic has allowed many to write off their flexible terms. Now it might become harder for companies to argue against the data, especially when uh, quiet quitting and the great resignation have uh, HR companies uh, are uh, departments calling for edits to the employee handbook. <clears throat> so interesting. But think about the increased productivity. That is amazing. Well, amid a war of words between Project Veritas board members and its founder, James O'Keefe, the organization's social media platforms have seen an exodus of followers this week. On Monday afternoon, James O'Keefe announced in an online video that he is departing the organization after it was indefinitely suspended from his role as CEO and removed from the uh, group's board. None of this makes any sense, and why is it happening right now, O'Keefe asked. These are questions I have. I just don't have answers. I'll speculate. I'll suggest that perhaps it's got to do with Pfizer. In this interview uh, with the Pfizer employee on a quote-unquote date, uh, it revealed very, very uh, troubling information about Pfizer, and I suspect that it's a retribution against uh, Project Veritas by Pfizer uh, and against James O'Keefe. But I don't know that. That's just my speculation. Hours later, the Project Veritas board released a statement accusing O'Keefe of financial malfeasance by using donor money on personal luxuries. It said he spent $14,000 of that money to meet someone to fix his boat, among other allegations. Uh, with the announcement that O'Keefe would be leaving, the analytics website Social Blade showed that Project Veritas lost 250,000 Twitter followers over two days, a quarter of a million. On February the 19th, Veritas had some 1.47 million followers, but the Twitter account is down to about 1.22 million as of uh, yesterday. The organization's YouTube channel lost a combined 60,000 followers uh, by the 21st, under a range of posts made by the organization, even those that are unrelated to O'Keefe's departure, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook users expressed their displeasure with the organization's claims about its founder. At the time, the prominent conservative users called on uh, others to unfollow Veritas and suspend donations unless O'Keefe is reinstated. <clears throat> this has to be some sort of record, uh, Colin Rogue. The uh, co-owner of conservative news website Trending Politics wrote on Twitter about the follow followers' loss. Rest in peace, Project Veritas, was his comment. Hmm. Earlier uh, data suggests that Social Blade showed that Project Veritas appears to have lost Twitter followers earlier this month amid reports claiming O'Keefe was placed on unpaid leave. This is uh, some story, and uh, James, quite frankly, I don't think... Uh, Project Veritas will survive without James O'Keefe. He is the heart and soul of the organization. But now we're seeing that uh, uh, the donations are being held up. O'Keefe was the chief fundraiser. Not only that, but people are not following on uh, Twitter and on uh, Rumble and other uh, sources. So uh, this is going to be very damaging. And I, again, I come back to this. I think this is retribution by Pfizer and taking aim at James O'Keefe for... Uh, what he did. Well, Chinese leader Xi Jinping is uh, preparing to visit Moscow for a summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin in the coming months. That, according to the Wall Street Journal, 
Uh, Xi's meeting with Putin will be part of a push for multi-party talks on peace in Ukraine and allow China to reiterate its call that nuclear weapons not be used, the report added. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th of last year. Preparations for the trip at the early are at an early stage, and this timing has not been finalized. According to Z, it could visit uh, in April or early May when Russia celebrates its World War II victory over uh, Germany. And uh, finally, this is quite a disturbing story, but it's, it's late, but it's important. Dominion Voting Systems employees have acknowledged serious problems with the company's technology, saying, for example, that a bug led to incorrect results, according to the discovery cited in the defense brief in Dominion's defamation lawsuit against Fox News. <clears throat> Dominion is suing Fox for $1.6 billion. Uh, comments like, uh, well, it doesn't get much worse than that. Uh, the uh, critical bug leading to incorrect results. Uh, in 19, 2019, Coomer uh, lamented that our products suck, adding that almost all of Dominion's technology failings were due to our complete F-up in installation, according to the defense brief. <laughs> so not presenting very uh, compelling information on the part of Dominion. Quite frankly, I think these machines should be tossed out. We, sh we shouldn't be using them in our elections. Uh, and this testimony uh, definitely proves it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Call Your Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Are you planning on traveling abroad? Check out internationalhealthplans.com. Most health insurance plans don't cover international travel, so you want to be able to travel with confidence. And definitely check out internationalhealthplans.com. Internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in D.C., and we are devoted to defending free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. So uh, we've been talking here in the last few weeks about how uh, rights have been subordinated for businesses compared to individual rights uh, and freedoms. Uh, How would you determine whether sale of a product can be bypassed anti-discrimination laws? Well, this this case involving whether the gay uh, couple is is entitled to compel a uh, website designer to design a website for their same-sex wedding is is what's at issue. And obviously we can't have legislatures or courts making those decisions on a website-by-website basis. Right. So I think that there needs to be some sort of sensible, balanced uh, solution, something that that uh, that weighs, on the one hand, the free speech rights of the business owner, and on the other hand, uh, the right not to be discriminated against on the part of the gay couple. And I've, I propose a, a three-part test for goods and services that are produced by businesses that hold themselves out to the public. So part one would be, is the item a standard off-the-shelf product, or is it a customized made-to-order article that requires some unique input by the by the seller? If the item's standardized, just something you pick up in a store without any customization, then I think it should be provided to all customers without discrimination. Otherwise, we go to part two. Does creation of the item convey a specific message, either by word or by some other symbol or by deed? And the message doesn't have to be an endorsement. Just acceptance or toleration of the message would be sufficient. If there's no qualifying message, then the free speech rights are not really implicated. And if there is a a qualifying message, then we go to part three. Does the message violate a sincerely held belief of the seller and if it does does the buyer as well as the law allow the seller to express his objection and if the answer to that is no he can't express his objection even if he does object then i would argue that the private business should not be legally obliged to consummate the transaction so that's a balanced approach that i think might get uh, the court's approval or something like it. 
Interesting, Bob. So uh, if, if sometimes these cases just get a life of their own, in other words, they start getting publicity. So what if uh, it doesn't, uh, the uh, three qualifications that you uh, outlined, what if the case doesn't reach any three of those, but the, the uh, case itself has gained so much notoriety that it starts to draw attention to the fact that, for example, these, uh, this cake maker is going to be making a cake for a gay couple. Yeah, well, that's exactly what's happened. I mean, these cases have made their way to the Supreme Court, despite the fact that there's really no issue involved. I mean, the the, the uh, gay couple that wanted the uh, cake for their same-sex wedding, they had a choice of, I don't know, dozens and yeah. dozens of bakeries within the city of Denver that would have accommodated their needs. And they ended up getting a free customized cake. Uh, and the nearest baker was only a tenth of a mile from the baker that they sued. So this is all much ado about very little. But, yeah. you know, what's at issue is dignitary harm on the one hand, uh, on behalf of the gay couple, and on the other hand, the private business owner's right to conduct his business the way he sees fit. Yeah. So it, it's a tough case, and uh, that's why it's at the Supreme Court. So I take it that uh, your three-part test would not necessarily cover all borderline cases. Right, but it w- would have covered this baker uh, who said he would he would sell any pre-made, standardized bakery product to anybody, uh-huh. including gays, without discrimination. And it would cover the website designer, Lori Smith. She says she paints an expressive portrait of each marital couple, clearly a customized uh, product. So my proposed test would provide, I think, a practical bright-line rule that would comfortably characterize the vast majority of transactions as falling on one side of the line or the other. And, and then we could tolerate a few gray areas at the margin that the courts uh, would have to resolve. But instead, what we're getting is these states passing laws that are overreaching, right. that are unconstitutionally vague, and that serve only to plunge the nation further into these cultural wars, which we really ought to be avoiding. So true. So what's the downside of the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act is applied to all uh, public businesses? Well, I think put bluntly, uh, public accommodation laws like Colorado's uh, can't be allowed to stand as they are. Uh, the court has has to establish some limiting principles. Otherwise, you get somebody like the web designer would have to design a website displaying the words, God loves gay, gay marriage, even though she doesn't believe that. Yeah. And you'd have Jewish tailors that have to fashion uh, robes for clan uh, ceremonies or black-owned tattoo parlors that have to portray uh, Confederate flags on their tattoos. And I'm not making that up. I mean, the Colorado statute has no exceptions for offensive symbols or even offensive words. And the legislature could very easily add uh, protected classes based, for example, on ideology or on politics. So if you like those rules, I think you'll be rooting for the state when the Supreme Court issues its opinion in this case. But if you think, like I do, that those rules are foolish, then you favor some sort of uh, uh, some sort of sensible uh, compromise. If the court forces artists like uh, the baker and the web designer to help celebrate what their faith bars, that won't foster civility or pluralism or or tolerance. And that's why we need some reasonable balance that forbids businesses from discriminating against people solely because of who they are, but permits businesses 
to reject ideas such as same-sex marriage that violate uh, their conscience. Yeah. That, that's what freedom of expression is all about. Oh, thanks for that clarification, Bob. So are there economic costs associated with the expansion of public accommodation laws? Yeah, since the 64 Civil Rights Act, it's been a significant expansion of the groups um, that are protected. There's also been a significant expansion of what qualifies as a public accommodation. You know, it used to be just common carriers and utilities, uh, but now public accommodations broadly include just about any business that's open to the public, retail stores and educational recreation facilities. But what you have are, as usual, unintended consequences. Yeah. So the the expanded number of these businesses and the expanded number of the protected classes essentially erect a barrier to business entry. So owners like the baker and the web designer, they lose their right to free free expression if they want to serve the public. And that's quite a cost to have to pay. And barriers like that mean that there's going to be ultimately less competition. And less competition means job cuts, lower wages, higher prices, reduced consumer choice. And that's what happened in the Baker case. He stopped making wedding cakes. They were his principal pleasure. They were 40% of his business. He went from 10 employees down to four. Uh. He was merely following his religious convictions. He didn't express animus toward gays. He didn't verbally insult them. He didn't even seriously inconvenience them. I think that's a miscarriage of justice. I do too, Bob. So uh, finally, what about the dignitary harm to those minorities who bear the brunt of discrimination? Well, in Colorado, the, the couple demanding a cape uh, could have obtained, as, as I mentioned to you, and did obtain a, a comparable cake. So they also decided they're going to litigate. But that was their legal right. Yeah. They plainly suffered this uh, dignitary harm because, you know, they were refused service. The same service is extended to virtually everybody else merely because, as uh, Justice Kennedy wrote in the, in the uh, same-sex marriage case, because they aspired to the transcendent purposes of marriage. Phillips Baker, he had a sincere religious belief about same-sex marriage, but there can be little doubt that his act was offensive to his gay clients, and frankly, to me and to many of your listeners, I think. So how do we resolve that? Justice Kennedy, even as he established the constitutional right to gay marriage, he counseled tolerance of opposing views. Uh This is what he said. Many who deem same-sex marriage to be wrong reach that conclusion based on decent and honorable religious or philosophic premises, and neither they nor their beliefs are disparaged by the court. So we had years earlier, the Supreme Court declared that some dignitary harms must be tolerated in order to provide, in the court's words, adequate breathing space to the freedoms protected by the First Amendment. I think the court should reach the same conclusion in this web designer case that's now pending. Thank you, Bob. Again, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Cato, C-A-T-O dot org is the website. Bob, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. You too, Bob. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and now building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. I hope you'll check it out. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. We typically start our uh, discussions with a good news that's appeared uh, in the last week. Any good news for us? I think there is. Um, recently, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Speaker of the House, released <coughs> excuse me, uh, about 41,000 hours of uh, January 6th videos uh, directly to Tucker Carlson. I think that's the right way to release them. I think Tucker Carlson has the background, the acumen, the staff. Uh, to, to review these with a, uh, a reporter's eye uh, to extract the important uh, uh, information that has been uh, previously left out of the of the public debate. So I think this is a, a really good news story. Of course, we have to wait to see how it unfolds, but I'm anticipating this will be a very revealing uh, process that, uh, that Carlson will go into, uh, I guess, next week. Uh, you can already see the uh, the Democrat panic as it pertains to these uh, 41,000 hours, the, the laments, the inappropriateness of it, as they describe it. Uh, so I think we're seeing something that could uh, seriously change the flow of, uh, of public opinion uh, in, in America, if it is done right by Tucker Carlson. Well, and I suspect it will be. I mean, he is the most popular. In fact, he has, he's, more pop, he's the most popular person uh, broadcasting age... 25 to 54 uh, among Democrats. 
So uh, he is, a, he is a, I think, a, a, has a great insight to what's happening in terms of uh, the news. And I think he's the right guy because he can actually, uh, I think, provide commentary and comments that will support a new view of what's happened on January the 6th. Yeah, you're right. I think he's the complete package that's necessary. The investigatory skills, the staff to do it, the commentary, the articulation uh, that I think he'll, he'll offer. I think it could be a, a significant moment for America. Now, there are some things that Tucker, I'll bring this up as long as we're there, he spent about 15 minutes talking about Don Lemon, Don Lamone, and I just, I feel that's, that's more than enough time to devote to this man. Although, Bob, I, I will tell you, there's, for the first time, I actually agree with something that, that, that Don Lamone said, and he's been in, being excoriated for. He indicated to Nikki Haley that she was not in her prime, and it sounds like a misogynist comment. I'm telling you, but I don't see it that way. The context of his remark was Nikki Haley had just said that uh, politicians, especially those running for the presidency over 75, should be um, uh, examined for their, their mental uh, acumen. Are they able to mentally handle the role? Now, what he was saying is that categorically, we should not, in fact, do that kind of thing, like the just the 75 and older category. And I think in the theater of the absurd, he was offering a counter-absurdity, which is to Nikki Haley at her age. She is past her prime. So I, 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 I agree with Don Lamone's uh, intent. Uh, he may not have done it as well as he should have, uh, but I think that was the context of what Lamone was doing, Bob. Well, thank you for that, Eddie. I mean, if you think about it, you're setting a pretty low bar for his behavior. <laughs> he's, he's, he's been uh, really, I think, really offensive in so many different ways. He should be taken off the air, in my opinion. Well, there, there's no doubt. I mean, for me to even come up with a, a close approximation of an agreement is is unusual. I think that's why I was drawn to it, because yeah. it was it was after all these years, it was the first time I've even come that close. Um, in terms of other, what I think is a good news story, Bob, <laughs> and they may not be seen that way, but uh, here in Lee County, Florida, many of the GOP uh, uh, political people are moving to ban uh, the, the COVID injections, um, a pending forensic analysis. Now, for many, this may seem unduly dramatic or unduly radical. However, I think in this America, uh, to put this particular issue on the table, and bring it to the forefront of a of a debate. I think is a, is a critical part of what we're dealing with. It should be dealing with uh, what Lee County Republicans are saying is there are so many negative side effects that can be documented, so many potential damages to RNA that can be documented. That this is a discussion that should be had. Now, uh, again, I I don't know if Lee County Republicans are the uh, the appropriate vehicle for this, but I think that discussion is one that is. Is absent right now in the larger America, Bob. Well, and this is happening in, at a time right now where apparently this president is uh, wanting to turn over the responsibility for public health policy in the United States to the World Health Organization, if you can believe that, or some sort of a unilateral treaty. I just can't believe it could come to this. So I'm, I'm grateful that uh, somebody's standing up for the rights of Lee County and hopefully for Cuyahoga County as well for uh, our citizens against uh, this tyranny. 
I, I totally agree, obviously, with that, and I, I hope what Lee County is doing is turns into a larger national debate in terms of the WHO uh, being involved with a unilateral treaty with the United States. At some point in time, we have to recognize that there's no such thing as a United States treaty without the concurrence of the United States Senate. Right. Uh, yet we talk about these alignments that are made at the presidential level uh, that we describe as treaties, and they are, they are not treaties, Bob. No, they're not. Uh, well, uh, I don't understand it, but it, it's got me concerned, quite frankly. So, uh, I, I was. It should be. It should be a source of concern. Ab- absolutely. So, Andy, I mean, uh, we our president made this brave, historic move, according to some liberal pro- broadcasters, that he went over to Ukraine here in the last couple of days. Any thoughts? I, I have an enormous number of thoughts on, on Ukraine. Well, if I might, Bob, just let me get to that in a second. I have a few other things I want to sure. just allude to before we get there, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, I want to talk about the primaries. Now, I know you've uh, long advocated for the significance of the uh, the presidential primaries. I have uh, generally pushed back, but uh, I'm beginning to see some uh, some significant advantages. For example, uh, recently, perhaps yesterday, uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who's a uh, American entrepreneur, or author of a book called Woke Capitalism. Uh, someone is pursuing the uh, something that he defines as the need for a national identity. Uh, I've listened to him speak. I've read what he's, uh, what he's had to write. And uh, I think the, the advantage of a primary in this case is going to bring the voice of Ramaswamy to the larger American public. Right. I have no feeling that he should or could win that that primary. On the other hand, I think to have his voice get that national exposure, I think is a very good thing. I think we also have to look at Larry Hogan, former governor of, of Maryland, who somehow has indicated that if his candidacy helps Donald Trump, he will not run. I think that really provoked the audience to dramatically. <laughs> and of course, we're all waiting breathlessly for Asa Hutchinson to make his decision to run. And Nikki Haley, who's shown the drawing vote power of Kamala Harris in 2020. So I think we're looking at people that are just peripheral candidates. The one I really am pleased with to see come out is is Ramaswamy because he's been so strong and so articulate in terms of many important issues. And I think his voice at the national level would really matter, Bob. You know what? I, I totally agree. And uh, quite frankly, if there's a, when there's debates or any kind of discussions, he will make the discussion more rich, more thorough, and more complete. And I think he could have an influence on the outcome of the platform of the Republican Party, no matter who's uh, nominated. Well, I hate to say this, but you were right all along, and I, I hate to admit that. Because it may be the first time, I'm not sure. I'll have to check back in my notes. But, you know, I, think, I think you're right. And, and again, this Ramaswamy candidacy, um, I think, has, to, for me, documented the importance of the primaries to give Ramaswamy a national platform. Uh, again, I don't think he's going to win, but as you're indicating, he could significantly impact on the Republican platform in 2024. Andy, we need to take just a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Finish what you started with a Hodge University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website DignityMemorial.com. That's www.DignityMemorial.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Also, the show is brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you check out ChoiceSocial.us. ChoiceSocial.us. We continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Jopper, author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's good to be here, Bob. We'll get to Ukraine in a second. I just wanted to make one more passing comment in regards to uh, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, who has indicated that he will go to East Palestine when the time is right, whatever, <clears throat> whatever the time that is. Um, it, I, I hate to believe the potential that has been suggested, which is that the uh, limitation of federal assistance to East Palestine has been caused because it is essentially a, uh, a Republican stronghold politically. I, 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 I'm not saying I believe it. I, I am saying I'd hate to believe that. Uh, so I hope that's, that's not true. But I would like to point out this train disaster in the context of a, of a much larger issue, which we pointed out, it's been mentioned uh, many times, is the, uh, what seems to be the attacks on our energy grid, multiple attacks, the huh. attacks on our supply chain, uh, the attacks on our food supply system. And uh, it's hard to identify if this is just a remarkable, huge coincidence, uh, but it seems over the past year or several years that there have been... Um, coordinated attacks on these critical uh, infrastructure systems for America. So um, I, I don't know what all, it all means, but I think it is far beyond coincidence in terms of its potentials, Bob. That is so interesting, uh, Andy. In, in fact, this just popped into my mind, and I did research the story, but I'm going to just run it by you. I'd read that in North Dakota, 
they were uh, not wanting to sell uh, land to China. And apparently there's now a not-for-profit that's jumped into the fray that wants to uh, defend China's right to buy land in North Dakota. I can't believe this is happening, but my goodness, the tentacles of the Chinese Communist Party are so long and so complete, it's unbelievable. Well, this goes back to an incident several years ago, I'm not sure the timing anymore, uh, uh, where China had bought approximately, as I remember, 300,000 acres uh, immediately surrounding uh, Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's, this is a long series of uh, very um, convenient, let's call them, uh, property acquisitions by, by China that would put them in near proximity to critical American facilities. Now, uh, again, I think the only country in the world that would allow a, uh, a competitor, if not a, uh, an, uh, an adversary, uh, to do that is probably the United States. So uh, I hope we can come up with the, uh, the strength of will uh, to do what is necessary to protect uh, Americans from what I believe, or who I believe, is an adversary, and that's, uh, that's China. Absolutely. So uh, any thoughts on Ukraine? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I have some that are maturing or devolving or evolving. I'm not sure how I would put my thoughts on, on Ukraine. But let, let me take it, uh, create another example. When it comes to the issue of, for example, uh, climate change, and the advocates who are for carbon suppression do not advocate for nuclear power, do not advocate for hydroelectric power. Right. When they do not advocate in those directions, to me, it makes their essential position weak and, and hypocritical. When I look at Ukraine and I hear the rhetoric that is coming out about the dangers represented by Russia, the dangers that would, would happen if there was a Russian takeover, it would be existential to Europe, existential perhaps to the world. It would result in uh, Russian uh, uh, military uh, movement throughout Europe. All of these dramatic comments, and yet, and yet the only boots on the ground are Ukrainian boots. I, you know, I hate to see soldiers, our, our soldiers particularly, put at risk. But one of the ways you validate the, your sincerity in a war is by putting your boots on the ground. Yeah. I believe we are in, in a war with Russia. I don't think there's any real doubt about it. Uh, I think the, the Congress at this point should declare that we're in a war or not. But I think that this cannot go on as it is, uh, where we are obviously at war, using what I regard, in my opinion, as the mercenary army of Ukraine. I don't see it as a surrogate army anymore. I see it as a mercenary armor. I'm not using that in its most negative form. What I am saying is the United States is paying Ukraine not only in military areas, but in terms of their, uh, their, their, their social funding. For example, they just raised the, uh, the uh, variant of Ukraine Social Security uh, for millions of citizens by over 10%. So we are funding this yeah. process, the governmental process, the social process in Ukraine using United States funds, I believe that what we've done, and I regard it as highly unethical, that we are at war with Russia using the paid mercenary army of Ukraine as our weapon in this war. Uh, That in no way suggests that the attack by Russia was justified, although I think it has more justification than it's publicly given. But let's say it's not justified. But I think that the position that I'm taking is one that can be documented by the numbers and the way it's unfolded uh, uh, in the last year, Bob. 
You know, and uh, I'm not a fan of the war in Ukraine. I'll be uh, the first to admit that. And yet I don't hear any debate. And I would be, love to hear from our deliberative bodies in the uh, legislature to discuss this and have a complete thorough discussion with the President of the United States about this. But people who are uh, resistant to uh, what's happening in Ukraine, in many cases, are being said, you're just listening to Russian propaganda, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, and what, whatever happened to free discourse about a topic, it's just unbelievable to me. Well, I think we're getting a lot of issues of distraction uh, in this. The uh, the fact that Russia will immediately attack Poland, which I think is not a possibility, even though I may be wrong, but I don't think it's a possibility. So we have a lot of, of uh, distractions in this process, and and the basic the basic issue is the should be uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but it's taken on a much larger life. Uh, one of the lives it's taken on, Bob, is that this is our way of determining our process if China attacks Taiwan. Now, those two situations, Taiwan and Ukraine, are entirely uh, different geopolitically. They're strategically entirely different. So, But these are issues of, of distraction. Uh, I think we have to look at some of the comments being made. For example, uh, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of uh, United, uh, United Kingdom, uh, wants to supply long-range weapons to Ukraine to hit inside of Russia. Yeah. Uh, the uh, head of security for Ukraine recently indicated uh, that he wants to park uh, Ukraine tanks in Red Square in Moscow. Now, if anyone thinks that somehow Putin is not going to be provoked, uh, intensified by these kind of what seems to be nearly existential threats, uh, to not only his existence as the leader, but to the country itself, uh, I think they're not understanding what Russia or who Russia is in terms of its people. I think they have to look back to the way Russia sacrificed the, 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 perhaps 30 million people in their resistance to Hitler's invasion during World War II. So Russia is not going to let this process go on indefinitely where their very sovereignty, their very integrity of their, of their motherland is threatened. I think it's a serious situation. I don't want to overstate it. I think many people have talked about the implication of nuclear war. That is certainly one of them. Uh, but I think this is a serious provocation that might, in fact, and we're hearing more of this, drive a unification of uh, Russia and communist China. Yeah. Uh, that would link the, the world's largest nuclear power with, uh, with the largest population center uh, and, and the largest navy in the world. If that unity ever took place, and it was one that actually worked, and it, I, that's a, a key factor, Russian and Chinese uh, uh, competitiveness has been there for since their beginning. But if they could seek a unity that was a true unity, then I think there was a major uh, a force that would be created in the unification of Russia with communist China. And I think we might be pushing Russia to the point of agreeing to go in that direction. Well, not only that, but what about the Saudis and the uh and the Iranians as well. I don't think uh, that <clears throat> this president has necessarily garnered favor uh, with the world uh, leaders of the world. And frankly, I think we are, we're putting our, our entire uh, power and, and strength of uh, a nation at risk uh, with what's going on right now. I, I don't think we're thinking long term about this at all. We need to take a little bit of a break. Andy, can you stick around? No place better to be. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They prepare elected officials to win in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good to be here, Bob. Let me just make one uh, amplifying comment about the possible unification of of China and and Russia. Uh, Yesterday, uh, Tuesday, um, China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, uh, went to Moscow. It was the first visit of a Chinese diplomat to Russia since the start of the um, invasion of of Ukraine, uh, which may indicate something along the lines that I was discussing. Plus, uh, Chinese leader Xi has also indicated that he will be taking a trip in the coming months uh, to Russia. So I think the potential of this um, uh, allied relationship between Russia and China uh, is beginning to show some measurable uh, reality to it, Bob. Uh I think so. I definitely agree with you. And again, I come back to the fact that I think the Saudis are pretty much fed up with the United States and uh, certainly Iran as well, too. So that looks like a that looks like four countries that could join forces that could make a, a, a vital difference in terms of the power structure around the world. 
I, I totally agree. I, I don't know if we understand that or if we do understand it, if we're dealing with it as we should. Um, of course, I see that across the board with the administrative state of America at this point. Uh, yeah. It's hard to determine where decisions are being made or who's making them at this point. Uh, but just This is an interesting aside, just something I remembered. Apparently, George Soros has expressed his support for Ron DeSantis. I can't think of anything that would be more damaging to Ron DeSantis than the support of George Soros. So that that's one of those reverse things that people sometimes get involved with. I, it just, just occurred to me as we were talking about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be damaging at all. I think it'll be... No, it won't be. It won't be. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the intent. Yeah. So I, what about, uh, where's all this equity versus, and diversity stuff going? And, the, you know, the woke stuff. It's just, uh, it's just incredible. And now... I forgot the initiative the president's decided on, but a new initiative that every department in the government is going to add, reflect some percentage of people who are of color and blah, you know, whatever. It's just yeah, something. I mean, it's 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 quite amazing. I I think there's a very limited appreciation for the implication of all of these types of moves, inclusion, diversity, equity, all of these words, which sound uh, on the surface to be relatively benign. Uh, But in fact, what all of them do and result in ultimately is a reduction in the level of quality at every level of American society, whether it's in government, whether it's in the corporate world, whether it's in the, uh, uh, the general political world, the legal world, across the board, these these concepts, affirmative action, of course, included, are dramatically impacting on the overall competency of this society. Getting back to some of the topics we just discussed earlier, if we look at the what seems to be the increase in, in near-plane uh, um, collisions, if we look at the number of train accidents yeah. that have amplified, uh, if we look at the, the general issue of, of uh, what seems to be a society that seems to be sinking into a... Uh, a perpetual level of incompetence, I think we can lay it all at the doorstep of affirmative action, equity, inclusion, and diversity. Now, with that having been said, let me just say there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong uh, with, with uh, hiring uh, minorities or women. That's, I'm all for it. If they are the best person for the job, certainly that right. that is certainly that that anyone uh, in in my capacity uh, would certainly advocate for. So I'm not in any way suggesting that there aren't qualified minorities. I am suggesting that that factor of competency is often left out to the total exclusivity of race, color, or ethnicity, Bob. That's so true. Andrew Jopp, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, I could continue this conversation for another hour. I wish we could stay on the air. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for those remarks, Bob. Absolutely, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the uh, Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. He brings us great commentary as well. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll pass the word on to your friends. Recommend it. Uh, that's one of the ways that reward our advertisers, and uh, we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>